The ceiling is the roof. I am still Bobby Corella, and my guest, who I waited more than 30 years to ask about that most famous Michael Jordan phrase, is still Isaac Harris. And it was such a rewarding experience for me, Isaac, and very insightful, too, that I couldn't even wait another week to have you on. So here you are again. How are you doing? I'm trying to figure out what's the what's the proper reaction for Mavs fans this week. It's like we're watching something we don't have with the draft. We're watching something we don't have any any investment in because there's no pick. First round, second round. At this moment, do 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 um that Mavericks don't have a pick. So it's like I'm so excited for the draft, but there's there's nothing Mavericks, no Mavericks ties to it yet. So it, I don't know. It's like one of these things where like going to a wedding and you're like you're not part of the wedding, but you're excited about it, or watching a playoff game on TV and you're like you're excited about basketball, but the Mavericks aren't in it. And it's like this weird thing to where there's no investment in it, but you're actually you're so excited too. And yeah, I'm I'm so pumped for the NBA draft. Well, the Mavs might not have any picks. There might be no direct ties, even to DFW. I guess outside of maybe Cade Cunningham, doesn't really claim Arlington per se, but he is from here. Uh, loves Dirk, obviously. But Isaac, you and I, we're in the media. We're gonna do what we do. We're gonna push narratives. We're gonna we're gonna generate stories out of thin air. We're gonna make stuff happen so much so that this is the third of a three-part podcast series about the draft that the Mavs don't have any picks in. And on Thursday night, starting around the time that presumably Cade Cunningham will go number one overall in said draft, we're going to have a whole freaking live stream on draft night from American Airlines Center. It's going to be me, it's Isaac, uh, Austin Garuya, Mike Marshall, Kevin Gray, Chuck Cooperstein. I know that I'm forgetting other people. I'm sorry. I'm just so excited that my memory is very foggy right now. Uh, it's going to be awesome. It's going to be coming to you on the Mavs Twitch page. That is twitch.tv slash Dallas Mavericks. Isaac, this being the third part of our three-part draft series, we're going to be talking about kind of the draft overall. Uh, there was a trade made the other day that we're going to be hitting on. We're going to be talking about some bold predictions, maybe do a little guessing game, who goes higher. Um, the first two podcasts we did, we're talking mostly about lottery guys, first round guys. We're not really going to talk too much about the second round because there's like 80 different guys that could be drafted in the second round, but it would be much easier for the Mavs to acquire a pick in the second round, presumably than the first round. So maybe that's where the action will take place on draft night. We'll be with you every step of the way, though on the live stream um overall Isaac I asked you this on the last uh episode that you were on is this kind of like overall thoughts on the draft but now that we're this close now that like kind of some of the final mocks are done there's be even been like a little movement um you know team player visits are over workouts are over like it feels like we're like right there uh what are you thinking about where's your head at on this class on the draft as a whole kind of on the NBA activity uh heading into this thing on Thursday well, I think a lot of us, you know, there's no really new information on the prospects. Like anybody who's looked at the draft, I feel like everybody has their opinions set on players by now. So there's really nothing prospect wise that I'm still waiting on or trying to figure out. I think everybody's just looking at the movement part. It's like what, you know, we, we saw a trade happen, you know, a few days ago, I guess it was yesterday or two days ago. Have you listened to this on uh, Wednesday and you know, what, 
Is there another trade that happens before draft time? Is there a trade that happens on Thursday morning or Wednesday? Is there another domino to fall? Is there another big name that, you know, puts it out there on some, you know, on on what their future wants to be? And if it's with a home team or another team, what's, what is the next domino? I think that's what a lot of people, including myself, watching right now and not just player wise, but there are a few teams out there, the Pelicans, OKC, Houston, these teams that have so many draft picks. What are they staying put? Are they going to cash in on, on their, you know, their chips there and try to move up or go get a player? I think movement right now around the league and trades is the biggest thing. And that's one of the most exciting parts about the NBA. Yeah, and one of those teams that you just mentioned, New Orleans, uh, before that trade the other day where they reportedly, it, it can't be finalized until August 6th, but uh, New Orleans reportedly moves back seven spots in the draft um, in exchange for essentially getting off a bunch of money in Eric Bledsoe and Steven Adams. They go to Memphis along with the number 10 pick, coming back to New Orleans, the number 17 pick, and uh, Jonas Valanciunas, very nice player. So that'll be an interesting front court, but uh, New Orleans still has a bunch of picks, man. They got 17, like you said, and then they have 35, they have 43 they have number 40 overall, so they have three picks between 35 and 43, and they don't have many empty roster spots. And then OKC, Sam Presti and his like, treasure trove of draft picks and all that stuff, they got number six, they got number 16, they got number 18, they have number 34, they have number 36, uh, they have number 55, which may or may not matter. But, I mean, that's a whole lot of draft picks too, and there's some other teams like Orlando with multiple first-round picks. Houston, you mentioned, they have three first-round picks. Even Brooklyn has like three second-round picks. Toronto's got a bunch of them. There's a few teams that don't have available roster spots, and yet they have like four picks. And so, yeah, I mean, sometimes drafts or draft night trades sort of materialize out of nowhere. Like random team, say the Mavs, they trade Josh Richardson for Seth Curry and a pick. Like that happens all the time. But sometimes you can sort of – read the tea leaves and uh, figure out, hey, Golden State is trying to go to the playoffs and win a championship. They have the 7th and 14th pick. Do we really think they're going to stay there? Or like, hey, Oklahoma City has 80 first-round picks next season. They have three this season. Do they really want to use all of them? Like sometimes you could sort of feel trades coming, and it feels like there are several of those instances this year. But I guess my question for you is, I don't know, I mean, do you think outside of – obvious stuff like outside of stuff that's reported outside of teams that have seven picks do you think that there's like gonna be some type of trade like what what's a team to watch what's especially kind of in that middle areas when things always get a little spicy but like kind of like who what who are, who are you like keeping an extra eye on on Thursday yeah, well, I mean, I actually do. I think one of my bigger, it's, I mean, I don't know how, if we want to say bigger or hot predictions for the draft, I do think OKC cashes in. I think when push comes to shove, by the time the draft takes place on Thursday, I think we're going to see OKC move into the top three. I don't know what, what, what slot in that, but they have so many picks. I think so many people think that it's a top three draft with Mobley and Green after Cunningham. And this is their time. Like, move, move up. Go get one of those dudes. Give up some first. You have a million first. So that's what I'm, I'm watching them. They're the biggest wild card because they have such a young team. And I would keep SGA if I'm them. I love SGA. And But then it's like – Everybody's watching. I mean, the Warriors are the answer, answer, right? Like everybody's watching the Warriors as the team to watch on the draft because 
They're bringing back Clay. They're going to be healthier. Wiseman's a year older. What do they do with these picks? Do they stay put? Do they take some guys that can play right now, even though that that phrase like makes me cringe sometimes and hey, you know, there's certain players that you plug and play right now and which I get, but do they cash in? Do they, can they get a vet that helps them now? Will they move back? Where the Warriors can literally do anything on draft night. And I don't think a lot of people would be surprised what it is. And the Warriors are going to be back in that playoff race next year, right? So what like what will help them? If they make a big time move, then we're all of a sudden all the West Western Conference teams is looking at the Warriors saying, Well, dang, like you're right back at the top again. It feels like too like and this could obviously change. There's always surprises, but the league is being dominated by wings right now. But you know, like Cade and Jalen Green. Jalen Green, I guess, is more of like a very traditional sort of off guard. Cade is a wing. Then you have Evan Mobley, who's a big, and then like Jalen Suggs is a guard. So kind of like at the top of the draft, there aren't like at the super top of the draft. It's not a bunch of wings. It's one wing and then other guys. A lot of the wings are between sort of like five and like ten, five and twelve. It's like a ton of wings in that range. And so I'm curious to see like Cleveland, for example, sitting at number three. They have two very young guards that they just spent very high first-round picks on. And then last season, they drafted Isaac Okoro with, what, the number four pick or number five pick or something like in that range. So, I mean, are they going to draft another guard? Like, they maybe they want to do something. Maybe they want a wing instead of a guard. And if you want a wing, maybe at three, you want to trade back. Maybe if you're OKC and you want someone like Evan Mobley, maybe you trade up. I mean, I don't know. That That just seems like something that could maybe happen. I have no idea. Um, I don't know what I'm talking about most of the time, but it does feel like there's a lot of movement to be made. So it's, it feels like there's going to be some fireworks. Uh, and then also you have a lot of thirsty teams like OKC at 16 and 18. They want to move up. Uh, New York at 19 and 21. They want to move up. I'm sure Houston would love to package 23 and 24 together and move up. Uh, apparently the Pacers don't want to even like be in the draft at all. Um, wow no way shocking yeah yeah and uh same could kind of be said for golden state too like i think they love number seven and number 14 they're like yeah take it or leave it so it feels like basically every team outside of the top four is trying to get into the top four uh so we'll see who's successful and who trades out so maybe there's an opportunity for the mavs to hop in late first round if they want to i have no idea but um, yeah, it just is, it just feels like a, a super unpredictable draft and it could all be much ado about nothing, man. There's some draft classes where there's like four good players and the rest of them are bums. I don't think this one is going to be the case. There's a lot of like skilled players. There's a lot of guys in this class who are like very good at, at least one thing. And that usually translates to a useful NBA career. So I don't know. Am I off base there? No, no, no. It, you know, you said top or you referenced the top four there in the top four. Toronto's a team too. Like, I don't think they're being talked about enough when it comes to what they could do on draft night. They have so many questions and reports and stuff around the roster. Do they keep some of these guys? Are they dangling some of their big names on the market? They have a big time free agent that is, you know, a vet that a lot of play, a lot of teams around the league are going to be going after. You know, they have the fourth overall pick in the draft. Like, they could swing either way because they have some of these guys that are kind of, like they have one vet, but then they have they have a, like a young core at the same time. So could they just swing the young route and say, hey, let's continue building and cash in on some of our vets? Or do they bring the guys back and say, let's run it back. We have Nick Nurse. 
He's a great coach. We can like, let's try to push for the playoffs too. So I'm so intrigued with what Toronto does, especially setting at four. Who does somebody fall to them? Do they take, you know, a predecessor to probably their best player in franchise history to run point guard and all of that? Like that's Toronto's a, a fascinating team to me come draft night. Yeah, every team sort of has their own sort of like not crisis, but kind of like pressing sort of uh, external force applying pressure to them. Uh, like Toronto, for example, maybe not quite as dramatic as being at a crossroads, but the Raptors are kind of at a crossroads. And then you have Golden State, who's like, well, these picks are just luxuries. Then you have Orlando and OKC. They're like, we are going to be here for a very long time. But then you go a little further down, teams like Sacramento, Charlotte, San Antonio, Indiana, Washington, even Memphis at number 10, uh, reportedly, that are like, how much longer are we going to be here? <laughs> like You have some teams that, are, that love being in the top 10, some teams that are like, we cannot be here anymore, otherwise I'm going to lose my job. So... There's a whole lot of sort of clashing forces uh, that are kind of colliding against each other in the, in the top half of this draft. So it's really interesting. But, um, okay, let's move on a little bit. I have a couple picks that are uh, – it's always funny to read the second-round picks. Right now there's one, two, three, four, five picks in the second round that belong to their original team. The rest of them have been traded many times. One of them, uh, the number – 43 pick belongs to New Orleans. It's been traded from Washington to or from Utah to Cleveland to Milwaukee to Washington and then to New Orleans. The number 52 pick has been traded from Detroit to Houston to Sacramento to the Lakers to the Pistons. The number 18 pick, Isaac, from Phoenix to Philly to the Clippers to Miami to OKC. Just like all of these picks have been traded five gajillion times many of them in the second round have belonged to three or even four teams like I just said it's kind of reinforces like picks are very cool in the moment they usually help grease the wheels on some trades but when it comes time to actually use them like more than half the picks end up getting traded and that's sort of a a, a prelude into the the pressing burning question is on draft night do you expect, I guess it's kind of prediction time, or maybe you could talk out your thought process, do you think the Mavs will trade into the draft somehow? And if so, first round, second round, maybe both? What do you think that they are going to do? What do you want them to do on draft night? Yeah, I think I think they actually do uh, do something. I think one of the biggest question marks for going into draft night for me is who's the next team who tries to create flexibility for free agency to start. And it, that's the thing. It's like, who's the next new Orleans? Who's the next, you know, I say new Orleans because they're, you know, reportedly if that deal, you know, goes through, there's some bigger contracts that'll be coming off their books. Looks like they can create some more cap space. Who's another team out there that says, Hey, we want to have a little bit more flexibility come free agency. And that's where I, I, I could see Dallas stepping in and saying, all right, let's try to figure out a way on draft night to create some more flexibility coming in to the next on uh, next few days. Right. I mean, a few days after the draft. So that's where I think we could see Dallas hop in in the second round and say, let's let's go in. Let's you know try to create create some flexibility for the next week, but also but grab a draft pick in that. And whether it's a pick in the 30s, 40s, whatever it is. And it allows Nico and them to kind of get their feet wet, right? It's like, hey, let's just go, let's just go get a guy. It can be our first, you know, draft pick. We can, you know, gives the fan base something to talk about, have fun with, 
And there's a million teams that have second round picks because, and that's the tricky thing about the second round. It's always kind of unfair to look at some of these guys and be like, oh, you went undrafted or you this or that. Because there's so many times these second round picks that stay with these teams who have multiple, you know, second rounders, they take a guy and just stash him overseas because it's like, well, we don't want to bring in a million people to camp either. So, so some of these guys who don't get drafted, then they go undrafted because they're trying to control their future too. And it's like, Oh, at this point, let me just go undrafted and I can pick what team I want to go to camp with. So that's another area that I know in the past, uh, the previous regime with Dallas, we, we always called it the 61st you know, pick, right? It's like, well, who's going to be the 61st pick for the Mavericks right after the draft, sign him to a training camp deal. That's another thing that we can you know look forward to on Thursday night of seeing some possible news out there of who could be coming to camp for Dallas. And a lot of times too, I mean, teams that have teams that are going through rebuilding periods that only have eight guys under contract, having three or four second round picks is cool. You can just draft a bunch of guys, bring them in. And if they, you know, aren't very good or whatever, then you can cut them and replace them with picks the next season. Sometimes if you're a team that has a enormous payroll uh, and you're up against you know, like the apron and you're hard capped and you can only do like very small things. Well, I guess being hard capped is, is, forget that I said that, but basically if you have a massive payroll and uh, you need to fill out the bottom of your roster with super cheap guys, having a bunch of second round picks is good because second round picks make obviously much less than first round picks. Second round picks oftentimes make below the uh, veterans minimum, sometimes even below the minimum period. Uh, And so uh, for, for, a free agent obviously um so that could be useful but then sometimes too like look toronto has 46 and 47 brooklyn has 44 and 49 and 59 uh new orleans we've already talked about they have 35 and they have 40 and they have 43 and they have 53 like those teams aren't going to use all those picks and so if you're the Mavs and you have someone who's kind of like, you know, maybe falling down the board, doing a Jalen Brunson thing where you're like, hey, we like this guy way more than the 33rd pick. Like, let's get in there and get him. They obviously had the pick whenever they drafted Brunson, but you could conceivably buy into the second round. Uh, sometimes the team is like, look, we can't fit this guy anyway, so you give us a couple million dollars, we'll give you the pick. Um, or like you give us a player, like you save us a couple million dollars via trade um, because – Teams might not have roster spots for the second round pick, or if a team is over the cap, sometimes you'll have to dip into your mid-level exception to sign second round picks, and sometimes teams don't want to do that because they want to sign someone to the full mid-level exception, a quality free agent they otherwise wouldn't be able to get. And so there's a whole lot of uh, reasons why a team would want to get off a second round pick, and there's a whole lot of teams, like you said, that have a whole lot of picks in the second round that probably don't have the roster space to use them and so they could be packaged together to move up or a team like Dallas could swoop in and buy one so I wouldn't be really surprised if they did that but if you had to like we can't even say the word that starts with a b and it's three letters long but if you had to predict Isaac if there was a there was a a a Mavs man t-shirt gun to your head said will the Mavs make a draft pick on draft night what would your answer be yes okay You have it in I, writing. Well, well, I I don't know if it's like, hey, the Dallas Mavericks select. I I you know we could see a whole like a, a player wearing a hat for another team and like well, will they will they end up with a player who was selected on draft night? I think so. Yeah, I think they will. I think there's too many second round picks up for grabs. 
I think it's a way to create flexibility for the next week. You can always, like you said, spend a couple million and say, hey, let's just go buy a pick. Bring this guy to summer league coming up in a few weeks and put him with our other young guys at Ty Terry, Tyler Bay, and our guys. Like, let's just let's bring in some some more younger dudes to have fun in Vegas. And I my question for you is is there a couple names in the second round that you're just in, intrigued with like where they go? And because I look at it and I like I look at different names that not, might fall, might be in that like Herb, Herb Jones and from Alabama, a wing. I like him. I want to see where he goes. I want to see where Miles McBride goes from West Virginia. Does Isaiah Todd, somebody like that, that drops all the way to the second round? I love Io from Illinois. Like where where do some of these dudes and who's the guy we always see it like who's the guy that's projected as a first round pick that falls into the second that everybody's wondering, Oh, is that your guy from uh, Lithuania? Is he, is, you know, is he the second, second round pick? Yokobitis, my man. Um, there you go. I, well, okay. So I think your Kentucky guys, so Isaiah Jackson, BJ Boston is like in the draft, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't know. I, Isaiah Jackson presumably is going to be taken like early. You know, in the first round, I probably. I think so, I guess. But, uh, but BJ Boston, maybe not. And he's like a big, big. So, I mean, guys like that that maybe had sort of like a weird college season, um, abbreviated college season, like I assume Jalen Johnson will go in the first round. Ooh. Like I, I assume he will, but I don't know. Um, and then, like from Villanova, uh, Jeremiah Robinson Earl, what's going to happen with him? Uh, and then uh, the 6'10 the guard. Uh, Vrenz Blandberg, uh, what's yeah. gonna happen with him too? He's 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 Belgium. very online, very online during the draft process. <laughs> so I'm curious to see where he goes. Um, but I don't know, man. I mean, yeah, there's there's a bunch of international guys. Um, obviously, there's always international guys that sometimes, you know, maybe even aren't in the top 100, but they get drafted because they could be a draft and stash guy. So you can use that pick and not have to sign him to a contract. So like, it's tough to predict who will actually get drafted or not. I'm really curious to see, though, um, who the Mavs get. Whether they draft someone or not, they have to fill out a summer league roster, and you have to fill out a 20-man camp roster. And so I am curious to see at, like, 11.32, whenever the draft has been over for five minutes, I'm curious to see uh, Draft Express tweet out all the people the Mavs come to terms with because that will kind of give you an indication of, like, probably won't. Maybe that's even overselling it, but, like, I'm really curious to see what kind of basketball they're going to play under Jason Kidd and Nico Harrison as well. Like, what what is their vision? And so, if they trade up in the draft, that clearly we've we uh, talked about this on the last episode. If they trade into the draft to get someone, it means that they really want that someone. Like, they're not just taking him because they they have to. Like, they really want that specific guy. And then the players that they come to terms with afterward, undrafted guys and whatnot. They want those guys too. And so if it's a bunch of like back-to-the-basket bigs, that tells you one thing. If it's a bunch of cat-quick guards, that tells you something. If it's just a bunch of 3 and D wings, that tells you something else. So I'm, I'm curious to see how my expectations and how my sort of like – because right now it's all mystery. Like yeah. I'm curious to see how that picture sort of clears itself up based on what they do. That's the, that's the word. It's like it's a mystery. It's – this is something that Mavs fans we're just not used to because we've seen the same people in these positions for so long. And now there's, you know, new people in the, in this decision-making process that we don't know everything they value. We don't know how they value rookies. We don't know how they value, you know, 
you enter what it is, rotation stuff, players on the roster now, draft picks. Like, we just don't know how it's going to go. And that's where, like, what happens with Luca Garza? One of the best players in college basketball last year. He averaged like 20, 50 a game, dude. I know. It's like, what? Does he get drafted? Like, I mean, I guess so. Like, it's obvious. Right. I mean, he's so talented. Like, Right. I know. It's like, it's so weird. It's like, but what, what's his role in the NBA? Is he, I, I've seen where some people say he's a stretch five now. That's the part of college basketball to NBA. That's always fascinating to me of how that just shows you how different the games are. Sometimes how somebody could be so dominant in college basketball, but then comes draft time and you're seeing his name in the fifties of, well, is he going to get drafted at that point? Will he just try to not be drafted so he can pick what camp he goes to? So I, I'm fascinated to see where he goes. Can, could we play a game? Could I throw at you some names? Yeah, yeah. Let's have some fun. Okay. I'm going to throw some names at Bobby and say, who gets? it's really simple. Who goes higher in the draft? And I'll put two names out there. We'll see what we agree on, what we disagree on. Okay. So you already, right. you already have your answers in your head, right? Because you put this together. So I'll be a able to tell by your I'd... reaction if you think I'm just absolutely an idiot or not. A couple of them I, I do, but there's a few of them that I'm I'm intrigued by. All right. First one, James Booknight or Jonathan Kaminga? Oh, my God. All right. Uh, I'm going to say higher on draft night. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say Booknight. Let's go. Let's yeah. go. I will say this. I think the – I don't even want to say hate. I think the – all right, sure, hate. I think the hate on Kaminga has went a little too far because his measurables and just like the prospect that he is – I've just seen some people saying, is he even top 10 worthy? I'm like, okay, come on. Like, let's, let's I don't think of- that's outrageous, but also my opinion doesn't matter here. Do I not, do not you don't put think me on he's freezing top cold 10 takes worthy? in five years. Do not put me on freezing cold takes. I don't want any part of it. I don't care Let that me much. record this audio real quick. <laughs> <laughs> you don't think he's top 10 worthy? I, th- I don't think he's like top five or top. Like, I just think if you're sitting there at nine or 10 or something like that, like I'd I think it's almost too good to pass up at that point. I don't know, man. The stats, the film. You don't like him. Oh, my gosh. So young, so raw. I mean, I think there there are teams toward the top of the draft, very obvious teams that aren't on a super competitive timeline. And then there's yeah. another team like Golden State, for example, where it's like it would be a, just, again, it's a luxury of a pick. So, like, yeah. I guess it wouldn't surprise me if he goes in the top ten. Am I convinced that he's one of the 10 best players in the draft? Again, I don't care enough about this to like put a take out there, but I'm not convinced, Isaac. That's all <laughs> I'm going to say. So I think Book Knight is going to go before Kuminga. Uh, I wouldn't yeah, be surprised I, if it was reversed, though, because like, maybe it's a lot of smoke on Book Knight. Maybe his hype team is just doing a good job. And it, but like, I don't know, man. Team. It seems like he's going to go very high. I love Book Knight. I, yes, I, I love I just if any of y'all out there just want to go watch one game of any prospect in college basketball or international or anything, just watch Book Knight's game against Creighton where he put up forty. It's it might sway everything how you feel about it. All right, next one: Franz Wagner, Josh Giddy. Oh man, you really who goes higher on draft balls? Um. So okay, so if I'm to believe the rumors that are attached to the Memphis New Orleans trade, yeah. And if I just accept what is the outcome of that trade at face value, then I'm going to say Wagner. Uh, I'm rooting for Wagner to go first because Michigan, obviously. Um, But 
I mean, who knows? I guess my follow-up question for you is, um, is Josh Giddy Chandler Parsons? <laughs> They're both handsome. He... They're both small forwards that pass. I think yeah. Josh Giddy is 6'10 with a ratchet. Is that true, yeah. or is that just am I just imagining things? No, he's big. He's big. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I, I mean, I wonder. Now Parsons did come into the NBA, I think, as a twenty-one or twenty-two-year-old, whereas Giddy is what Giddy's only like eighteen, right? Yeah. He's so 18. maybe this is a better conversation to have five or six years from now. But I mean, maybe maybe Giddy could carry out our Chandler Parsons uh, basketball visions from five six years ago. I, I was still I'm I was very high on Parsons at the time. Giddy is kind of similar. Not as good of a shooter, but kind of similar sort of archetype player. Big, super yeah. big, tall handling. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm gonna say I'm gonna say Franz Wagner. What do you think? You were one of the first people that I seen tweet out like stats of Parsons playing like the four. I think was it playing how good he yep. was at playing the four, and I, I remember that you were one of the first people on that. I think I would take Josh Giddy's playmaking for his size is is real to me. I think it's, I think that's further advanced than Parsons was in playmaking. As far as athlete wise, I just questioned his shot. And that's just for me, that's just the whole thing for me of how good of an outside shooter. I think, I think Wagner goes first and first overall. No, 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 over, over giddy. Oh, okay. And All right. Whew. I think he goes. Yeah. I think he goes over giddy. I think Wagner goes somewhere in the seven to nine range, somewhere through there. I think so too. I, and you know, I don't think that this is tampering technically Isaac because like there are other teams and also who cares, but like, I've tried to be really good by not saying names. Yeah. Yeah. But like <laughs> Wagner to like golden state or Orlando makes a lot of sense. I guess that's what I'll yeah. say. Yeah, it, it does a lot. Uh, next one. Let's do the international route. Shingun or Garuba? Ooh, uh, I'm gonna say Shingun because the Spurs exist. But okay, that's true. I would hope for I. I am like I'm a a, a Garuba like Stan. Like I will like yes. purchase real estate on the island and everything. Like I I will I will die for Usman Garuba. <laughs> I see some wild stuff today, or I guess it was yesterday if you listen to this on his contract buyout stuff with Real Madrid, and they weren't messing around. Yeah, it could be a hefty price. So uh, I thought that was interesting. Do you think? Do you think that another year overseas would be good for either of them or both of them, or do you think that they they first off will and second off should come over right away? I think Shingun should now. I think I, I don't know what I mean. He's he's won a lot, right? I mean, he has award. He has. I mean, I feel like he has so much. The analytics are all about him. And physically, he seems there too. I mean, physically, they're both there. I guess this isn't a matter of like stature. Yeah, I think the only thing, if I'm Garuba, is just the shot stuff. Like, is there a development thing with your offense that you can develop and get to the next level to where it's not just a full energy, which isn't the end of the world. Just all energy defense, rolling, you know, big. Can you show that you can play, you know, multiple positions to where I would I would assume right now a lot of teams just view him as a center right now as a five because he can't shoot. So, you know what? He's kind of like the, MKG sort of, right? Like I know, yeah. Sort of hybrid kind of big kind of thing. Yeah. 
I, we both love him. I'm all about him. I, I'm so excited to see where he goes. I just hope it's uh, not a team that uh, the Mavericks have to play uh, a lot of times per year. That's all I'm wanting if he's not. Uh, yeah. All right, next one. Duarte or Kispert? Man, it's not he even easy high. because they're both old. Like if Kispert was like 20, I would say him, no problem. Yeah, because Duarte is gonna be twenty four. He might have already he might already be twenty four. Um, dude, I don't know. I'm uh, I'm gonna probably say Kispert, but I, after watching both for like a minuscule amount of time, I think Duarte might be better, but he is twenty four. So I I'm gonna say Kispert. What do you think? Okay, I'll go Duarte. Just off trying to read as much reports and stuff that I can right now. I think. Even though I do don't I don't like the saying. I think he is the guy who you can play like right away, and it's a hey plug in and help a team that wants to win right now. Like if he goes, you know, to a a Golden State team at fourteen, I like I could totally see that. But he could go higher than that, and I could see it. You know, Kispert, the Kispert stuff is. I feel in a way I feel bad for him because I think so much of his the opinions around him and his stock right now is affected by that championship game against Baylor to where that just the athleticism and everything in that game, their deep, their swarming defense, just, it kind of threw him off. And then it, I think it threw the whole opinion of him off too. And so, I mean, it's affected how I view him at the same time. So I think I would go with Duarte on that. feels like Gonzaga guys are always like, Oh, you go to Gonzaga, right? You must be good. But everyone's just waiting. Like, wait until you play an athletic team and then we'll see yeah. how, like you know and if you play well in that one game it's like oh my god all right this guy's like really good everybody like he's legit but if you if you're bad then yeah this guy sucks yeah. but uh yeah i think Sabonis uh, went there right you said what didn't sabonis go there sabonis went there Rui went okay. there um dude i mean the, the team like uh zach collins went there um shimmer karnowski of course who could forget oh my gosh where's he at uh i think he went to Europe, I want to say he went to okay. Europe, but uh, yeah, I mean a lot, a lot of guys. Obviously, Adam Morrison back in the day. You know, sometimes yeah. they get memed on or whatever. But like, dude, they had a lot of good J- players. Jalen Suggs will be good. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree, I agree. But yeah, I yeah. think uh, I think Indy at thirteen could use one of those guys too, and Golden State at fourteen. So maybe they go back to back. Who knows? Next one, Moses Moody, Davian Mitchell. Dude, I'm I'm buying the Isaac Harris hype. Moses Moody. On Moody? Yeah. I do like Moody, yeah. Yep. I'm buying like the him. hype. Although, dude, Davion Mitchell, just defensive bulldog. Like, I guess Javon Carter was a defensive bulldog, and he didn't even play for Phoenix. So, like, I don't know. If you if you can't if you can't score it, and Moses seems to be able to shoot it at least. So, Moses seems set. But, like, dude, Davion is very interesting to me. Yeah. It's like if you have <laughs> – if you're a, a bulldog type of defend, defending guard, everybody looks at, you know, Dallas is on Marcus Smart. Like, all right, you're the next Marcus Smart out there. Because there's just not that many examples of them. And then you have the, you know, Javon Carter of the world, which it's funny. I mentioned Miles McBride earlier. De- point guard, really good defense, West Virginia. So I feel like everybody's like making that natural. Oh, you're the next Javon Carter. You can, you know, be that. But. Uh, I'll take – I guess I'll take Moody I, just because he's younger. I mean, how much younger is he than – Mitchell is almost 23. Well, Mitchell was a four-year player, right? Yeah. Moody's, Moody's a one-and-done. So. Did Moody play two years? 
No, he's one. He's the first one and done player at Arkansas. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I mean, dude, and and he's very prototypical. He's in that same range, probably. It's like Wagner, Scotty Barnes, Kuminga, maybe Keon Johnson, maybe not. But then, like you know, even Book like night. Kispert and Duarte are wings. Feels like from like five to like fifteen is just a bunch of wings, and then Shengun. Yeah. And who's gonna be the name that gets up in that range? All right. Here's my here's my last like wild card one. Zaire Williams or Jalen Johnson? Zaire Williams. I would be. I'm very comfortable. This is one. my bowl. This is one of my other my. So I have three bowl predictions for the draft. One is OKC moves into the top three. Second, I think the Mavericks do move into the draft at some point, first or second round, and get a draft pick. Third, I think Zaire Williams goes in the top twelve. That is very bold. That's like yeah. I think somebody's going to convince themselves. Somebody, some team up through there is going to like write off the Stanford season and say, you were too high of a prospect, a top eight prospect in this draft class going into college. You had some weird circumstance. You're six, nine scoring, you know, wing reading stuff about his pre-draft process. Seems like teams really like talking, you know, he's interviewed and stuff. I think he's going to be the surprise riser that goes nine, 10, 11, 12, somewhere through there. And you're like, Whoa, okay. I came out of nowhere. I'm already dreading San Antonio getting him at 12, so thanks for that. Um, I also think, like, whenever we talked about the other day, the team who has two luxury picks in the top 14 of the draft, uh, they're sitting right at 14. I'm sure they'd happily scoop him up, and also they're located not too far from Stanford. So, um, That's very true. Yeah, we'll see about that. But, yeah, I mean, I think uh, uh, based on just, like, who represents Jalen Johnson and knowing uh, the team – that has a lot of players that are represented by that same guy. Um, I, th- I feel pretty safe in assuming that that uh, Zaire will be gone by then. Interesting. Okay, that's my only. That's that's the end of my game, Bobby. My my fun. Game. Ooh. Okay. Let me think. Of, let me see if I can think of one on the fly. Um, let's have some fun here. Oh, I'm ready. Um, okay. Ooh. 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 Okay. All right. All right. We're going either all offense or all defense, baby. Who goes okay. higher? Cameron Thomas or Keon Johnson? Oh, this is like, oh do you gosh. like, do you like points or do you like defense? I'll go Cam Thomas. Okay. I think I th- I'm think i with you. I think I'm with you. Yeah. I really like his scoring. I, I heard somebody on a podcast today say, and it just like wrapped my brain around it. Then it was like, like, why is it Cam Thomas going over Davian Mitchell? I'm like, well, crap. And it just made me think about it. But I also think the Mitchell stuff has gone a little bit too far too, to where I like people, some people think that Mitchell might be there at like 15, 16, like something like, okay, I think that's too far for somebody like that. But yeah, I'll take, uh, yeah, I'll take Cam Thomas in that. So they're both kind of like undersized sort of guard kind of wing sort of thing. Uh, Thomas like broke every scoring record ever for a freshman. Uh, most, I think what most 40 point games, most 30 point games, maybe even most 20 point games, um, average what 23 a game or something for LSU semi inefficiently Keon Johnson, six, three, six, four again, um, sort of off guard, big time defender, big time athlete. So they kind of do like two different things at opposite ends of the spectrum. Um, but it feels like offense is easier to play right away than defense. So yeah. Maybe that's why Cam Thomas goes earlier. All right, let me th- let me think of one more. I'm racking my brain. I'm racking my brain. 
I'm, I don't even want to look at a big board. I just want to like pull two names out. Um, okay. Which Texas player <laughs> just generally oh. goes first? Um, I think I still I still think it's Kai Jones. I think so too. I think uh, I think Jonathan Sharks has uh, preached the gospel of Kai uh, loud enough to convince somebody to take him pretty early. Oh, so you think like Jonathan alone is like responsible for? Yep. For that? if he goes in a lottery, if he goes like twelve or thirteen or fourteen or something like that, then we know the reason why. Would that mean that Greg Brown knows who to blame? as well or like is this like a, a double-edged who, thing or who's the other big for texas that i forget sometimes um that's super uh, athletic um, it's, hit his head on the rim it has a short last name yeah it's uh got a, um jericho something jericho sims let's go yeah i was just about to say colorado rockies um <laughs> yeah i'm sure yeah. that they both they they both know where to direct all their anger to sharks and they can uh they can express that to him in person on july 31st between 1 and 4 p.m at the pub in mckinney where uh isaac and i and several other mavs media personalities will be for a q a and sort of like draft recap free agency look ahead hangout sesh all in support of our friend jonathan uh will protect him from greg jones and jericho sims will hang out with kai jones maybe um or Greg Brown, sorry. <laughs> there might be someone named Greg Jones there. Greg I guess Jones, we'll just yeah. have to see. But, uh, you know, maybe all three of those guys will come out and we can all hang out. But, uh, yeah, we'll be there at the Pub McKinney from 1 to 4 on Saturday, July 31st. Isaac, sorry. Uh, there's my little plug. I love it. I love it. Can we go back to just big picture of the draft? There's so much stuff. I mean, this is the, the hottest two weeks of the NBA season, especially coming out of the finals. Do you just obviously without naming names or everything, do you think some seismic like league altering moves are coming that could, you know, shape one of the conferences over the next week or so? Honestly, I don't. Um, mm. It feels like every off season is the off season where everyone's like, this is the one where five superstars are going to be traded. And then like two weeks later, whenever none of that stuff happens, the same people are like, yeah, man, this is such a quiet offseason. Everyone saw this coming. Like, we knew that nothing was going to happen. So, I mean, it feels like there's always a lot of noise like this. I think Philly's going to do something. Um, I I think that's pretty obvious. And then I guess uh, whatever happens with Kyle Lowry will be, like, a big deal. Even if he mm. stays, I feel like that'll be a big deal, bounce of power-wise. Yeah. Like, Toronto was so injured last season, they just didn't even have a chance. But – like if he goes back, then they're you know maybe right back near the top of the East, depending on what they do in draft night. So I guess like those two things, um, there's going to be a little power shift almost no matter what. But I don't know. I, I don't I don't really foresee any like league altering stuff. But then again, I guess the James Harden thing was sort of a surprise. So I mean maybe something like that could always happen. I have no idea. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, I, don't, I mean, I, I do feel like there's some type of bigger move that that's going to happen over the next week or so. It just, you know, so much of it, it depends on what the players want too. It, you know, so many of the, the bigger trades that's happened over the past, you know, few years has been a lot of those haven't been, you know, the team out of nowhere. It's been a player wanting to change the scenery saying, hey, I, I want to go to this place or, you know, to get out of, you know, this contract, whatever it is. So that's the 
that that's what I'm watching over the next week or so. What team, what fringe team that wasn't in the conference finals last year or wasn't in, you know, or is not in it just because of an injury. What, what fringe team makes the all out swing that makes the, you know, <laughs> pays at enormous price for a, a certain free agent or pushes all the chips in to make the big swing to try to, you know, take the next step in the playoffs. That's what I'm watching. I'm watching which of those teams in the middle of the, you know, the back end of a, of a playoff race is going to make a move like that. And these teams also with young stars that want to do stuff to help win now with these young stars on their team. You have this window that when you have such a, a young star on your team at such a low number as far as salary cap wise, it's kind of like the, the quarterback in football, you know, the Pat Mahomes, the Lamar Jackson. When you have these guys at such a young, you know, or a smaller contract, then you can spend money elsewhere and it kind of shrinks a window. So what teams out there want to you know make extra moves to build around a young star on a, on a smaller contract? It, this is the fun part of the NBA. We we all love this. It's we're we're constantly checking our phones and seeing the new reports. I don't know if we all love this is very true, <laughs> uh, depending on which corner of the internet you're on. But stuff is going to happen, man, and it all starts soon. So we got the draft on the 29th, and then free agency negotiations can begin on August second. They can't be finalized until August 6th, but basically all of next week is just going to be like rumor central. Um, the aggregator accounts are going to be working overtime. Ooh. It is my thoughts and prayers are with them. It's they're going to, they're just really going to, uh, be careful on the checks guys. Yeah. Make yeah, sure you look dude, for the, just, che- the check. It's marks. so easy. It's so easy. If someone tweets something, they look fishy. Just click on the hover over their account. You'll know if it's Woj or Shams or if it's Isaac pretending to be Woj <laughs> or Shams, uh, like he always does. So, uh, good luck to everybody. I hope you enjoy the draft. Isaac, thank you for joining me. I will see you on Thursday. Hopefully, all of y'all will see us on Twitch. That is twitch.tv slash Dallas Mavericks on draft night. Not only will you get to hear all of us uh, talk about the whole draft, we're going to be having a, a good time and hanging out, but it gives you a place built into Twitch on Twitch right there, right at your fingertips where you can talk to other Mavs fans during the draft and react to all of that stuff together. It's going to be a blast. I'll be there. Isaac will be there. A bunch of other people will be there. It'll be a great time. Uh, maybe we'll see some of y'all on Saturday at the pub again. That is the pub McKinney, 1 to 4 p.m. Central fundraiser for our good friend Jonathan Charks. And then we'll wait for the real fireworks to begin next mm. week. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be a great time. In the meantime, enjoy Luca. Enjoy Slovenia. Enjoy Josh Green in Australia. Some good stuff happening overseas as well. Uh, he is Isaac. I am Bobby. This is the ceiling is the roof. Isaac, thanks again. You were the man. Thank you all for listening wherever you are in the great wide, great wide world. Oh, my God. I need to shut up, and I will do that in three, two, one. Goodbye.